Now getting you set for everything Cardinals. This second game is a Cardinal. Three home runs. This is the Redbird Report Show with Danny Mac. Out there. On 101 ESPN. Welcome into the Redbird Report. This is done every Monday at 6 as we gear up for what we hope is a sprint to the finish for the Major League Baseball season. The Cardinals will open up their season Friday night. The Yankees and the Nationals the night before. And that will begin the Major League season of 2020. 60 games, a sprint to the finish. This is the Redbird Report. And coming up, I'll visit with Brad Thompson as we'll break down both the offense and what's happening with the pitching. Things are still unsettled with the St. Louis Cardinals with the rotation the back end of their games, although they are getting healthier, positive tests, no more. That's good news. So some negative tests allowing the Cardinals to get Henesis Cabrera, Alex Reyes, Giovanni Gallegos, all back in camp for the St. Louis Cardinals. So that's some good news with the Cardinals. We'll talk about that. Matt Carpenter off to a great start in summer camp. That's good news with their lineup. A visit with Brad Thompson is coming up. Ribs and BK had uh, Matt Holiday on their show this past week. You'll hear that conversation, and I'll sit down with Randy and Michelle and uh, was a, a part of their program this morning. You'll hear that conversation as well. So that's all coming up. It's all Cardinals. It's all Major League Baseball. That's what you get for the next hour on the Redbird Report on this hour on 101 ESPN. We are right back to it. More Cardinals talk right now. This is the Redbird Report with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. This is the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. We do this every Monday night at 6 on 101. Hard to believe that Friday night it is opening night in St. Louis as the Cardinals will take on the Pittsburgh Pirates. And that night, my broadcast partner will be Brad Thompson, and this morning on Scoops with Danny Mack here on 101, had the chance to get with Brad and talk about this upcoming season and still a lot of uh, unknowns with the Cardinals in terms of the roster. Remember, the roster begins with 30 players, then down to 28, then gets down to 26. We start with pitching, then get into the offense, what that may look like. Here's my conversation with Brad. Ben, I'm doing great. I, I, look, I don't want to fast forward, okay? I get it. There's still some some steps before we get to opening day, but I'm already pumped up for next Monday. You and I get to break down the Cardinals swept the Pirates. I mean, how great <laughs> the offense looks. Like, everything could be beautiful again. Dude, this is a, a great week and one we've been waiting for. Well, let, let's talk about um, what we're going to see this weekend. And um, what do you think about the rotation? It's one of the commonly asked questions that we get. So we know that Gallegos, we know that Cabrera, we know that Reyes are back in camp. And so some of that puzzle is is starting to round out in the back end of the bullpen, potentially. So that means that the Carlos Martinez question is still kind of out there. Um, where do you think he fits into the plans for Mike Shield? I, I know it's a tough question to answer, but where do you think Carlos fits into these things? No, it is tough, uh, but but it is one of those questions where we're going to have to find out in four days. You're right; those guys are back in Cabrera and Reyes and Gallegos. It's great to have them back and have all of their situations sorted out. I'm glad they're healthy and I'm glad they're around. The only problem is we don't know exactly what they are right now. And my thought is. 
Um, and maybe they're geared up. It'll happen quickly. I know that Gallegos is going to face hitters in the next day or so. He threw a bullpen yesterday, and maybe he's great. And well, you know, a good option in the ninth inning. And Helsley is a great option in the ninth inning. I just know that each one of these games means so much in sixty, you know, in a sixty-game season, Dan. And everybody else in the rotation is throwing the ball so well. I still lean for me. I still lean having Carlos in the bullpen to, to start the season. I, I lean on him closing out games because he's saying he's done so. I just think that the Cardinals, and I hope I'm wrong on this part, but I believe that the Cardinals, the way that their offense looked last year, and just you know looking through the crystal ball, like how they're going to have to score runs this year. I think they're going to play a lot of tight ball games. I think the bullpen's going to mean a lot. And I, I feel pretty darn comfortable with Carlos on the back end of it and all those other guys, whether it's Helsley or it's Miller, Giovanni Gallegos, and, and I believe Henesis Cabrera can work himself into a really good role. Dan, I, I like Carlos at the back end of the bullpen, and I like Kim in the rotation. Like I feel like they've got some good options. In terms of, of Jack Flaherty, I know you had a chance to watch a few of the games on Cardinals.com. Uh, what did you see out of Jack who will get the opening nod on uh, Friday night? You know what? Jack is at the point, and I know that for a young pitcher, you, you generally are looking at every little thing, and you look at the results, and and you make determinations from that. Jack is far past that for me. So yesterday's outing wasn't Jack's best outing. And I just look at it as Jack was getting his work in. What I saw from Jack yesterday was a guy that needs to see another uniform in front of him. Jack needs to see the Pirates. He needs to see the black and gold, and then he's going to be locked back in. He was getting under a lot of his pitches, and for those that aren't familiar with the term, it's just the fingers were getting under the ball as opposed to on top of the baseball. You were seeing the ball kind of ride up in the strike zone. He didn't have the life that he normally has on pitches. Those are small adjustments. The dude's a pro. Uh, the, the Cardinals are very fortunate to have Jack Flaherty around. And look, if uh, anybody that is into uh, future betting, uh, not a bad one there with Jack Flaherty for the Cy Young. In terms of Adam Wainwright, your former teammate, uh, he'll go in game number two. He looks like vintage Adam Wainwright. I, I, I just am amazed at what this guy is still able to do. It's just unbelievable, isn't it? Dan, I threw BP to my son in the backyard the other day, and I had to ice. Like I'm, I'm sore. <laughs> seven. Like I'm not throwing. I'm not throwing hard uh, to the little man. Uh, what what Adam is doing to me is absolutely amazing. And you and I have had this part of the conversation many times. Uh, two years ago, when he was in San Diego, and he had to come out of the game, and he was throwing the ball as hard as he could, and it was like 80, 81. I thought that that was the last time that we were going to see Adam Wainwright on the mound. And you could kind of tell when he was talking to the media afterwards, there was an uncertainty in his voice that you had never heard from Adam Wainwright. And then lo and behold, the dude works his tail off and bounces back last year and has a great year. Starts 31 games, but nobody had him starting 31 games. And then he comes in this year and looks even better. And I'm, I'm so impressed. I'm so proud of him. And to me, Wayno is one of those guys. I mean, he, we know he's an icon. He's a Cardinal legend. As soon as, uh, you know, as soon as his career is over, as soon as he's eligible, he's going to have that red jacket. But he's a guy that it's not just like trotting out a piece of history. It's like, oh, look, Adam Wainwright's still, still around. He's not just still around. He's still around, and he's doing it, and he's doing it well. 
You know, the guys that I've seen so far when I've been down at the ballpark, and I'll get into the offense in just a a moment, Brad Thompson, my guest, but in terms of the pitching, I I think the most impressive guy I've seen, Brad, has been Austin Gomber. I I loved what I saw in spring, and so far in what I've seen in in summer camp, Gomber has been awesome, and I don't care if he was starting or relieving or if he had to close, whatever role, and I know he said he doesn't care whatever role it is, but Gomber, man, has he been good. He really has. And you know, man, you, you've got to know Austin Gomber the last couple of years. Heck, you and I have been on the caravan with him, so we've got to know him on, on a bit more of a personal level. He was crushed by having his season end last year, basically because he ran out of time. He had the shoulder injury. He was rehabbing. He was coming back. He felt good. But they just ran out of places to pitch, and uh, you know the Cardinals weren't comfortable calling him up without having those reps in beforehand. He's determined. You know, Gomber is one of those guys, and I throw Ponce in this conversation as well, sure. who is overall throwing the ball really well. They're at a crossroads. They're at, they're at a point in their career where, where they're, they're trying to figure out which lane it's going to take them in. And when I watch Austin Gomber, there's no doubt in my mind that he's a major league starter. Now, I, I don't know exactly how it fits here. I think if all things were equal, uh, which they never are, in baseball they never are in life but if all things were equal i really think that we'd be talking about gomber in this rotation the way that he's throwing the baseball but he's got that renewed feel that well not even renewed because it's a fairly new pitch for him the slider has been a total game changer for austin gomber he always had the big loopy breaking ball and that's a great thing to be able to steal a strike with early in the count we see him do that got good feel for it can move it around he spots up his fastball in and out, but now he's got that slider that looks like the heater coming out of his hands, and the hitters just don't know how to react to it, and he's putting it where he wants to. I mean, I love what I'm seeing out of him, and I always root for those guys, Dan, uh, and Austin, far more talented uh, you know, than I was, but the guy that's like the last guy on the roster, like always trying to sneak on, and that's been him. I mean, that's been his career. I root for that guy, and I know this. If he isn't a part of the Cardinal plans in the future, if, if they've got so much depth that maybe Austin Gomber gets squeezed out, that guy's got a future in the big leagues with somebody. You almost have to think, I know it's a five-man rotation, but because it's a 60-game season, you almost have to think like Gomber or Ponce de Leon, if a starter has a very short outing and Mike Schultz says, well, you know, my guy tonight just doesn't have it. So it's an inning and a third or inning and two thirds. And it's in, you know, it's not an ideal season. So whoop, I take him out and here's Gomber. And ideally he's going to go five, not to say he's a starter because he's coming out of the bullpen, but it's almost like these guys are de facto starters, right? You know, they're kind of like my six and my seven. That's almost the way I look at it because they are going to go if they're right and they come out of the bullpen, they're going to have long outings. They're almost like long slash, you know, starter, long relievers, right? I mean, that's kind of a way to look at it. Yeah, for sure. It's a heck of a safety net to have as a team. Now, the only the only issue I have, it's not even an issue, it's just the only, I feel like it's almost a waste if you have your starter in an inning and two-thirds, you know, the scenario that, that you laid out. And if he gets beat up, maybe you're down by four or five already or something like that. Sure. Like, then Gomber goes out and deals it's like, golly, we wasted that. But you need that because you know the importance of, of a guy that can eat up innings. You save your bullpen. Cause I don't care if you have uh, the 30-man roster for two weeks and then it goes down to 28, then it goes down to the 26. Look, you can ruin a bullpen quickly with a bad start or back-to-back bad starts. So there's, there's some real importance there. Another way I can see him being used, and I feel the same way about Ponce, 
is maybe your starter gives you five, but the pitch count is up, and you're you're winning a ball game. It looks mm-hmm. good. Gomber can give you six, seven, eight, nine if he's throwing the ball really well, and you like exactly there in the ninth inning. Man, right. I, I like I love the flexibility of having that. In terms now of the offense, I'm really excited about Carpenter. I, I'm trying not to get too excited, get myself too far ahead, but. Man, with what I've seen, it's kind of vintage Carpenter. I hope it carries over to the regular season, but what I've seen, it's a it's a different look of Matt Carpenter. Now, again, when it starts for real, we'll find out on Friday, but uh, so far, so good. Yeah, look, it, it, after, after last season, I, I think that everybody is looking for signs, and certainly uh, you see a home run hit, you see two, and those are good signs. The home run yesterday, they hit off of Jack Flaherty. I know Jack missed his spot. He was trying to go away. It comes down and in to Matt Carpenter, which is a honey hole for lefties, and he did what he was supposed to do with it. The thing is, he wasn't able to do that with that pitch last year. He couldn't get to it. Hands weren't fast enough. That looks different. But the way that he's tracking pitches again, the way that he's taking pitches, you and I were texting back and forth uh, yesterday. We were talking about the walk that he ended up drawing the other day with bases loaded. Like That's the Matt Carpenter that we grew to know and love, the guy that will work count the guy that is a freaking nuisance and then all of a sudden you leave one hanging over the plate and it's a double in the gap or it's a home run this lineup is 100 percent different if matt carpenter is a big time factor if you have carpenter if you have the young if you have goldie if you guys got if you got those guys doing what they're supposed to do all of a sudden your lineup looks dangerous in terms of where you would put him if He's right. I, I, I think it could change it. I, I was talking about this earlier. You know, it looks like Wong will be at the top. And I'd find it intriguing if you would think about Carpenter maybe batting second or you could have Edmund second. You could put then Goldschmidt, it looks like third, DeYoung fourth, and maybe Carpenter fifth or maybe Carpenter yeah. second. I, I, you got some interchangeable parts. I, I find that really intriguing and what Mike, uh, Mike, want, Mike might want to do in that spot. Yeah, I, well, I think that the two spots that you hit on, if he's right, those are the two that he's going to be bouncing around uh, in. The two-hole, to me, that one is a little interesting. I, I kind of think about trying to layer it a little bit if I could. So I like the idea. I like the flexibility after Wong having a switch hitter there second. I, I just feel like for matchup purposes, you might like that later on in the game a little bit better. But Matt Carpenter in his prime, I mean, that was your perfect two-hole hitter. For years, he was your best hitter. And uh, Tony LaRusso always talked about danger in the two-hole, right? Like, well, that could be Matt Carpenter. But I think fifth works uh, as well. That's a, If those are the two options that Schulte is kicking around in his head, like as this season goes on, say, oh, do I want him second? Do I want him fifth? That means things are going swimmingly with Matt Carpenter. I mean, things are going really, really well. So, uh, either way you put him, if he's right, he's going to affect your ball club in a positive way, uh, and, light. Yeah, and in terms of your bench, uh, Austin Dean, especially if you carry, and, and John Mosellock said this the other day to me on those games, you know, there's a good chance you carry uh, Weeders, Kisner, so you got two backup catchers, so you'd be able to use one as uh, a pinch hitter. And then obviously you got Yachty. So you'd have three catchers. You know, Dean has got a chance to make this team. So this really makes it interesting with Lane Thomas and Dean and some of the other guys that you're looking at. I I find that intriguing, too, as you head towards what you do with a 30-man roster. I don't know if you're starting to do the numbers here, BT, but it gets interesting down the stretch here. 
Yeah, it's getting a little cramped, right? And yeah. I think a, a lot of it still hinges on your bullpen, who's available, who you're comfortable with, uh, and, and that kind of shifts how you bring your position players along as well. But that's what's intriguing about the next couple of days is, is we're going to get an opportunity to see these things unfold. And obviously the Cardinals had a liking for Dean. That's why they made the move to go get him. And he brings you some experience. He, he has some pop. He's a guy that, that's kind of been around a little bit. And that is the type of player that you wouldn't mind having, you know, as an option off the bench. Lane Thomas is still going to be a major part of things, I believe, going forward. I could see him, uh, even in 60 games at the end of the season, emerging and having a lion's share of playing time somewhere in the outfield. But that, that's, that's what Schilte wants. That's what any manager wants is you want a ton of, uh, ton of bodies that, that are able to do the job, and you're going to find out, you know, these things sort themselves out throughout the season. They'll sort themselves out this week before you have to get a 30-man roster. Options are a beautiful thing. Many thanks to Brad Thompson coming up. Ribs and BK this past week had the chance to visit with Matt Holiday. They'll get into Matt Carpenter, those two very close. That conversation next on the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. More baseball talk. We're back now to the Redbird Report with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. This is the Redbird Report. We do it every Monday night on 101 ESPN. Hope you enjoyed the conversation I had this morning with Brad Thompson. Now we switch gears to Rivs and BK, and they're on every day from 11 to 2. Last week, they had Matt Holiday on. Matt Holiday, in my mind, will be a Cardinals Hall of Famer. Matt keeps himself busy by coaching at Oklahoma State. Also, he's got a bunch of kids, and they keep him busy, too, teaching the game of baseball. And this conversation steered towards Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter off to a great start in summer camp. Here is their conversation. Matt Holiday on the Cardinals and in particular, Matt Carpenter. So, Matt, if you were a player right now and you were watching everything that's going on, how comfortable would you feel playing in this 60-game season? You know, I, I think I'd be comfortable. I mean, I, I think it's uh, it's one of those things the guys love to play. Um, I, I think that if you – I think MLB, from, from my knowledge, seems to be doing a pretty good job of, of constantly testing these guys and doing a good job with the protocol. I know that there's been some hiccups here and there with the timing of the whole thing and – um, I guess that's going to happen. I mean, I, I think that they're still trying to feel their way through some of the logistics of, of all the testing and, and how that's all going to work. But I think as a, as a you know, as a player, uh, you want to play and you want to get out there and, and this is you know you, what you love to do and compete. And, you know, I think it's almost like a college season with 60 games. So it's, it's going to put the importance uh, is going to be heightened on every single game, which I think is exciting for the fans and the players. I think, that is something, um, you know, that will get you going maybe if there's going to be no fans or limited fans in the stands. Uh, that's a 60-game, it's a you know, sort of sprint to the finish to see who gets into the playoffs and potentially, uh, you know, chance to win a World Series. So I, uh, I'm excited about it. I, a lot of the guys that I've talked to for the most part are, are excited about it and, and looking forward to, to getting out there. Well, Matt, look, baseball chose to uh, forego the hub city or the bubble version of things while the NBA and the NHL have done their own version of it. And I understand why. Guys didn't want to be away from their families that long, and they're not thrilled. I I don't blame them one bit. Mm -hmm. I guess my question is, does it pose more obstacles for Major League Baseball to have the players just living at home and doing their own thing. And, you know, it's the honor system. And I know there's self-policing in the locker rooms, just like every sport, every team. 
But at what point, you know, does that self-policing kind of get ignored? And does baseball have a chance of pulling this off the right way? Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I, I guess the the hard thing about this whole thing is nobody really knows. I mean, obviously no one has ever experienced anything like this. Um, it's it's nothing that we can kind of draw on past experience to, to kind of figure out what works and what doesn't work. I mean, I, I think, you, like you said, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to guys being super disciplined with, you know, staying inside of the bubble, so to speak, and, and doing everything um, that they can to not – risk their teammates to not risk baseball's chances um and then you know if, if somebody does get sick or is starting to feel symptoms and then you know the testing and you just hope it works i guess is, is really what it comes down to and i don't think there's a perfect scenario i mean i don't think that there's a perfect way to do this um but i do think that that uh you know i think mlb has done a lot of research and, and i trust in the, in the people's making decisions that um that this can work and and hopefully it does and i'm, I'm rooting hard for it and hope that uh it goes off i'm sure there's going to be a few cases here or there like that we've already seen but in general i i hope that, that everyone remains you know safe and healthy and and uh and we can enjoy baseball former cardinals outfielder matt holiday joining us here on ribs and bk on 101 espn matt with all of the changes that are being implemented in baseball we are seeing the universal dh in the national league this year First of all, do you think there's a Cardinals player in particular that that's going to help or that's going to fit that role? And then you were able to see what the adjustment is from going from the National League over to the Yankees, where you spent a lot of time in the DH. What is the biggest adjustment for that? You know, I, I think that'll be a, it'll be a good thing for the, for the guys up and down the lineup. I mean, I, I don't know, um, you know, in looking at the Cardinals roster, that, that there's any particular guy that you just kind of want to stick there and and leave him there. And, and so I, I think that they'll, you'll, they'll use it. I haven't, I don't know any, but my guess is they'll use it to give guys a day off and, and uh, give guys a rest and then, you know, kind of work, work through matchups with who's starting pitchers. And, you know, I think they've got some players that, that can match up against lefties and, and they'll, they'll be able to use it that way. Um, I don't, I don't really think it'll be that big of a deal for guys to get used to it. As long as you just kind of stay loose and, and uh, all the stadiums nowadays have batting cages underneath and, and areas where you can stay loose and a bike. And, and there's plenty of opportunity to keep a kind of a nice little sweat going and, and remain uh, loose and ready for the game and get your swings right before, you know, the, the, your bat comes up. So it's not really that hard as far as, as far as being loose and being ready for the game. I don't think it'll be much of an adjustment for the guys. So to answer your question, I, I think it's great. I mean, honestly, I, I think it'll be, it'll be good. Uh, for for guys uh, like you know a guy like Matt Carpenter or, or even Yachty or um, some of these guys that you can work through the DH and keep their bat in the lineup while giving them maybe their legs a little bit of a break on defense. All right, we talk about uh, you know not really having one guy pigeonhole for the DH. That brings me to my next question. You're going to fall into your realm of expertise, the Cardinals outfield. We've got uh, you know a jam, and the Cardinals want to see Harrison Bader. See his development at the plate. Dexter Fowler, see if he can have a little bit of a bounce back year. Lane Thomas, Tyler O'Neill, certainly competing for a spot. And then there's a kid named Dylan Carlson, who mm-hmm. everybody's real anxious to see. So, mm-hmm. you know, as you look at the Cardinals outfield, just some thoughts and maybe your opinion on maybe who gets the first crack at it and, and where they might end up when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be kind of a trial situation. I don't think that, you know, I mean, outside of Dexter, uh, the track record for all those guys is a little bit limited, um, you know. So I don't, I don't know that any of them 
uh, outside of Dexter will get will get a, a longer lease than the others. Um, I'm excited, like you said, about Dylan Carlson. I think he's a guy that's got a chance to be a, uh, a big-time bat, and he's one of those guys where um, if you give him a chance, he might just run off with it and might just uh, you know, be one of those young players that, 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 that you just – you plug and play and you just let him go out there and there's going to be some struggles, but you know, the upside seems to be so high um, that, that, that you want to see what that looks like. And so, like I said, I, I, don't, I haven't seen him play enough to tell you, yeah, I think he's ready to play every day, but from what I hear and, and kind of some of the, uh, you know, some of the people that I've talked to that, that know baseball, I think he's an exciting young guy that could potentially be a middle of the order bat. Um, I, I think Tyler O'Neill obviously has big time power. I think, you know, to think you just got to kind of monitor the swing and miss and, and see if he's able to make enough contact because he's definitely dangerous, uh, you know, when he puts the ball in play. And, um, you know, those other guys are solid players. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, with Bader, he provides excellent defense. And Lane Thomas is an all around really good player that when he gets his chances, it seemed to produce and, and produce at a pretty high level. So, uh, the good thing is, is you have a lot of options. The, good, the bad thing is, is you have a lot of options. So it's uh, it's one of those deals where I'm sure uh, Mike will, will uh, kind of rotate him through and, and maybe you know use the DH to get some more of you know, bats for those guys to kind of see who kind of separates themselves. Uh, I think there's enough talent there. I mean, I, outside of Dexter, there's not a ton of experience and, and track record. So uh, you hope that early on they establish, you know, in a team that's trying to win the World Series and a team that has, uh, playoff aspirations, you want to kind of get that settled. You want to just be, uh, you know, trying guys here and there and, and just running different different lineups out every day. Former Cardinals outfielder and World Series champion Matt Holliday joining us here on Ribs and BK. Matt, you mentioned that you haven't seen a ton of Dylan Carlson, and you're certainly not unique. We, we haven't seen a ton of him either, but you have talked more with people within that organization about him. What are some of the things that you're hearing about Dylan Carlson? We've heard a little bit about his mentality and just how focused and mature he seems to be for his age. What are the things that you're hearing about Dylan Carlson that you can maybe share with our audience? Yeah, I mean, I think to me the one thing that stands out is a guy with a hit tool. You know, he's hit everywhere uh, he's been. And I think when you can when you can hit and you've always hit and you have a natural uh, bent towards getting hits, I, I think that's one thing that, that you can't. Uh, you know, guys that hit and have always hit typically will hit in the big leagues, and I think that I think that that's him. And, and so uh, I know he's got he's got power. He's a big, strong kid. From what I hear, he can play center field and and uh, is, it runs well and and, and does things um, fundamentally sound in the outfield. So, uh, like I said, I only know a little bit, but I'm excited to see him. I hear a lot of great things, and, and I think, like I said, he's one of those young players that everyone seems excited that could be the next uh, kind of cornerstone building block, if you will, of, of the Cardinal offense. And, um, you know, I think that's something that they need. I think they need uh, a guy, a middle-of-the-order bat, a homegrown middle of the bat uh, to kind of establish himself soon and and, uh, and kind of carry some of that weight in, in the middle of the order with, with Goldie and, and Matt Carp and, and DeJong and, and the rest of the guys. So uh, hopefully that's, that's who he is. And I think that that's from what I heard it's, uh, it might be. Last question that I've got for you, Matt. You have never been a part of a season like this where they have to get ready this quickly for the season. But you know what it's like early in the season, whether it be spring training or early in the year, trying to get your timing right and trying to get everything going. How difficult do you think it's going to be early in the season for hitters? And do you think it's going to be the pitchers or the hitters that are ahead early in the year? 
You know, the good thing the hitters got going for them is they're going to they're gonna start up right in the middle of summer. And so a lot of times, you know, or every time, we start in, in April, late March, early April, and it's cold a lot of places, and, and you're dealing with weather, and you're dealing with cold hands, and, uh, you know, that's always to the pitcher's advantage. And so I think the one of, you know, the advantage that the hitters have is they're starting in warm summer days and nights that the ball's going to travel and, and uh, you know, you're going to feel, you're going to be sweaty and you're going to feel loose and, and all those things that I think are, are helpful as a hitter. Um, I think they're doing a lot of inner squad from what I can tell. They're, they're, they're facing a lot of live pitching. And, and, and I think the guys that, you know, at least the guys that I, I, I know well and talk to a lot, um, you know, during the quarantine, we're still, uh, getting you know a lot of swings in and the cages and and then even when they kind of got loose a little bit, um, we're taking live at bats and meeting different pitchers and taking at bats in cages and, and on fields and, and different locations. So uh, I think the players were were ready. Uh, we love to do this. You know they were right in the middle of spring training and so um, you know that when that gets cut off, they were in, in playing ready to go shape. Uh, so as long as they did some stuff and were able to kind of keep things kind of moving in that direction i don't think it's going to be an issue for the hitters um i, I think that they'll they'll uh they'll they'll do well and and they'll be they'll be and maybe a couple you know maybe may take a few few games but i think in general the hitters will be fine just really quickly for you matt do you think we can expect a bounce back season for matt carpenter this year i do i really do uh, i think uh i think he'll have a good season and i think like i said i think him getting some dh spots and and having that extra roster spot uh you know, to, to, to get Tommy Edmond in there and to get, you know, maybe if you, um, you know, want defense, you can play him at third and Carp can DH and, and some of that stuff. So I think he's going to have a really good season. I, I From talking to him, I know he's excited that he made some mental adjustments and, and maybe a little bit of a physical adjustment at the plate and kind of getting back to his roots of hitting the ball the other way. I think, I think that that's uh, – I think that that's something that you'll see, and, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch him. I, uh, I, in talking to him, he seems happier and, and to be enjoying uh, the game a little bit more. I know last year was rough. Well, Matt, we appreciate the time, man. Get back to watching your kids' game. Enjoy it out there. Stay, uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and we always appreciate you joining us here on the show. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Y'all have a good day. Great stuff with Rivs and BK. Up next, you'll hear my conversation with Randy and Michelle from this morning. This is the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. More of the Cardinals talk you know and love. This is the Redbird Report with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Redbird Report rolls on every Monday at 6. We have this on 101 ESPN. I should remind folks that I appear with Randy and Michelle Every Monday at 9.30, Ribs and BK Wednesday, and then the Fast Lane on Friday. One of the things that we do on the Monday show with Randy and Michelle, just talk about the game of baseball, whether it be the Cardinals or Major League Baseball. And today we got into the state of baseball. Where are we at? Just a handful of days from opening day. The Nationals, the Yankees, they will open up Major League Baseball. The Cardinals will open up their portion of their schedule. That'll be Friday night at Bush Stadium. You can see the game on Fox Sports Midwest and the first pitch of the season at 7.15. We get into the Blue Jays. They will not have a home portion of their schedule this year. Games will not be played in Canada. Here's the conversation with Randy and Michelle. Good to see you, sir. Good to be with you guys. How's it going? Good. How about the Pirates? Michelle and I were just saying uh, that uh, they're 
being welcoming, apparently, to the Blue Jays if, because the Blue Jays can't play at home. And Blue Jays are talking about maybe playing some games early on in Pittsburgh. Why not just have the Blue Jays play every single game on the road at, at a road ballpark? I, I've been doing a lot of thinking about this. I know the Buffalo uh, concept does not seem to be viable because of lighting. Right. And you're going to have to play night games because of television. Television is imperative in this whole thing to maximize dollars. And the ballpark is not, most importantly, it's not, um, it's just not set up for social distancing. You know, so if you want to go in the clubhouse and you've got your 30 guys at the onset of this deal in a clubhouse, it's I, apparently I've never been to this ballpark, but apparently it's not set up for social distancing. So you're cramping inside a clubhouse. Yeah. That wouldn't work. You, you've yeah. seen the ballpark, though. Losing it is, is a disease. Losing is contagious. Yeah. Well, what movie is that from? The Natural. Okay. That was. Oh, uh, that's it. That, that's right. It that's, was in Buffalo. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Nights. Yeah. Um, Maybe you would have a natural, you know, you get the you get the lights in there and someone hits it and they go to the playoffs. That's why the lights are bad, Dan. Well, you could have you could have Vlad Jr. put one off the lights and they go to the playoffs. Um, so that would be a problem. You go to Dunedin, which apparently it is set up for everything that they would need, but yet you've got the virus in Florida um, exploding down there. That's a problem. I was just thinking off the top of my head, and tell me why this would be wrong would you want to go to New York? You've got two cities, or I'm sorry, two um, um, teams playing there. I don't know how the schedule would work, if it could work in both with the Mets and the Yankees. I don't know if that's I don't know if they viable. have it set up, how they have it set up. Yeah, I, I don't know either. I, I don't know if that could work there. But um, our, our point is, is that whether they're in Buffalo or Pittsburgh, the Blue Jays are going to spend every night this season in a hotel. Uh, on a road, yeah. yeah. They're so going they, to be, a, they, exactly. They are going to have the comfort level that's afforded the Cardinals or the Cubs because they aren't going to be playing any games at their homes in Toronto. So whether it's whether they set up their home base in New York or Buffalo You're or right. Pittsburgh it, or just play every game on the, road, on the road, Yeah, it doesn't make any difference. Yeah. It's, and, it's and, point well taken. And just when they're supposed to be playing home games, against the Rays. Just give them the home rules. Let them wear the sure. home jerseys. They yeah, get absolutely. The and have it be that way. And it's only, for me, it's easy to say, it's only two months. It's only 60 games. And 30 road games. Well, right. But it'll be 60 road games for them. Um, and, and you would like to think that they could maybe set up majority of those games in one city so they could get accustomed to one place. Majority mm-hmm. of those to be the quote-unquote home team. In one city. Mm-hmm. So there'd be something there that they could at least feel somewhat comfortable with. Again, it's not ideal. And y- you never know. They, they, there might be other teams that have to do this, too. Yeah. You know, depending. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about where we were two months ago with certain cities, Michelle, where, you know, we're, we're saying, OK, well, that that seems to be a place that you'd be fine with. And now here we are two months later and they're thinking, OK, everybody have a contingency plan in place for your team to have to go to maybe your minor league city or look at being on the road for your team, because that may have to happen in two months. We just don't know because the ebbs and flows of what's going on to make this ha- make this happen. I- I'm just thrilled that we're at this point of being, you know, a handful of days away from opening day. And if we've come this far 
even though that the Blue Jays can't play in Toronto, I had somebody text me last night, very close friend, say, does this mean that the season is over? And I said, absolutely not. I mean, we are going forward. They will find a way. And if we're this far, we're moving forward. There is no doubt in my mind we're playing baseball. Have you ever paid attention to old-timey schedules, by the way? Sure. I, I didn't realize this. 1957, the year before the Dodgers moved to L.A. and the Giants moved to San Francisco. And this was, in, the, I believe, in the train era still. How long they would stay on the road or the, home? The Cardinals had a 21-game yeah. home oh, stand yeah. followed by a 23-game road trip. That's right. Wow. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. That's how they used to do it, because of the train. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, it, it's just, yeah, yeah. It's just amazing. Um, and the stories that Stan and Red used to tell about those long, long road trips. And, and that's how they'd have to do it because mm-hmm. travel was so different back then. It wasn't like a chartered flight and you're, you know, playing in Chicago at, at you know, noon someday and then you're back home and playing right. somewhere else. Or in some cases, we would play on a Sunday, you know, uh, a day game in, at Bush Stadium being San Diego and having dinner that night, you know, and getting ready for a West yeah. Coast trip. I mean, it's just crazy how, you know, we just have become so accustomed to how easy it is to get around this country. So my point is, Blue Jays, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Deal you don't want to hear it. No, a 23-game road trip. Well, the other thing, <laughs> too, <laughs> again, it's, it's, uh, it's as a guy that's been doing this a long time, and I have, I mean, over two mm-hmm. decades, 60 days is going to go in a blink of an eye. Yeah. You're not even going to realize how fast this goes. And it, that's what's going to be fun about this season, too. The, the other part of this is, in their defense, I see and hear how tough it is physically on you, all the travel at the end of a six-month season. I can't imagine what it's like for a player. I because, can't imagine what it's like for these guys. Yeah, because it is. It's tough on the, the writers and the broadcasters, and uh, Jack was the same way, and Jack was a stalwart. He was Because Jack had moved right into the Monday Night Football season. It was oh, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. But uh, he was... He was physically diminished at the end of baseball seasons. Well, my wife tells me it takes me at least 45 days to become a human being again. And she's wow. serious about it. 45 days? That's yeah. not an insignificant amount of time, Dan. No, she yeah. says it takes me at least 30 days to 45 days to kind of become accustomed again to being a human being and back in our <laughs> family. I'm like, really? I think I'm normal. And she's like, no, you're, you're a zombie. And I... I don't sure. even realize it because you become so accustomed to the the daily routine of a baseball season of when you get up, what you do, your routine, going to the ballpark and just the rinse and repeat of it. And again, I'm just calling the game. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, you know, you're just doing your thing. Being a player is a, I mean, it is a grind. And I, I, I don't like using that word grind. And I understand these guys are making a lot of money and they're getting paid handsomely to do what they do. But still, the, the, the grind on, on the, the body to do what they do is just incredible, what they do day in and day out. And to do it in this city where the expectations are high and the mental part of it just wears you out. But then in what we're dealing with now, the heat of the summer, it is a tough, tough thing to do. We have the... Exhibition game on Wednesday and then the game on Friday. It's amazing how quickly we've gotten to baseball. And I'm really interested to see what the quality of ball is like once we start playing. I saw it better yesterday. I did the game yesterday. did the game on Friday. I've done, I think, four of these now for the the Cardinals.com. And I'm going to get into in the first segment just what has stood out. And I, I can tell you... 
unquestionably the the best thing that has stood out for me is Carpenter. I mean, it is vintage Carpenter. Now we'll mm-hmm. see if it carries over, but we're seeing him spray the ball everywhere. And when I say spray the ball, I mean with authority. Uh, the best at bat he's taken yet. And I'm sure I'll repeat myself coming up in 10 minutes, but the best at bat he had was a bases loaded walk. Uh, it was against Junior Fernandez, and he, he came up and um, he fouled a couple of pitches off, but they were borderline pitches. I thought the umpire was his zone was kind of jumping a little bit, but you could see he had to protect the plate, and you knew Carpenter's understanding of a strike zone, especially with the bases loaded, knowing that the pressure is on a pitcher, probably chased a couple of pitches that he didn't want to chase, but just protecting just in case, and just watching how he is comfortable in a strike in in the box and you know when Matt Carpenter is comfortable in the batter's box I've seen thousands of his at bats and countless pitches to him he is comfortable and he's the kind of guy that if he gets hot he can carry a team and then you have behind him potentially in this order is Goldschmidt so I, I could see depending on how this thing shapes up this week like a Wong, Carpenter, Goldschmidt, DeYoung, or you've got Wong, Edmund, Goldschmidt, DeYoung, Carpenter kind of combination. I like that. Um, but either way, Carpenter is a, a key mm-hmm. member of this lineup. And if he's right, watch out. And Goldschmidt yesterday took a really good at bat, just whacked one into center. Best at bat I've seen him take. Um, Lane Thomas, best two at bats I've seen him take. So I'm starting to see the offense kind of catch up a little bit to the pitching here as we go along. And I've talked to other guys that are that are doing some of these games that uh, are are with other teams, and they've asked me about well, what are you seeing. I said, well, uh, I'm seeing dominant pitching, and I I've already thought that the Cardinals pitching is really good. And I'm not sure if it's just really good, and the offense is just trying to catch up, and the, all of them to a Every one of them said, I'm seeing the same thing. Like the, the hitting is just not there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering across Major League Baseball if we're going to see just because the pitching was able to sustain during the quarantine, maybe a level of staying with it, for lack of a better term, a, a higher level than the hitting. Because it's easier the, to practice, right? That's yeah, what I mean. And and, sure. and the hitter, the hitters just weren't able to face live pitching, and now we're kind of starting to see the hitters catch up. So I wonder in the first week or two if it's going across Major League Baseball, if it's going to just take a little time for the hitters to gain their timing back. But we're starting to see a little bit more of that in the last – at least I saw better at-bats yesterday, and I saw some better ones on Friday too. I want to circle back to Matt Carpenter for a second because we know how important he's going to be to the Cardinals' success this season. And you say you've seen that comfort in him. What do you attribute that to? Is there something you think he did in the offseason, whether it's working with Jeff Albert or approach? What what has allowed him, you think, to get there? Well, he changed a lot of things. Um, and I don't I don't want to get too technical because I'm not Matt Carpenter. I'm not a hitting coach. And I I just go on what I see. But and Mike Schilt and and maybe Scott has the soundbite and we'll play it during my show. But he he I talked to him about this the other day, or I'm sorry, in spring training. But he talked about being gap to gap, and I talked to Mike Schilt about this in spring training too. But he talked about getting the ball a little bit deeper and and having a point of emphasis of trying to go to left center. 
So again, not trying to be technical with this. And again, I'm not a hitting coach, but when he was right, he was gap to gap. And if you remember when he had the, what was it? 55 doubles. Yep. Yeah. So 2013. Yeah. And so he set the all time record beat stands record. And, and then he had the, the, the postseason where he hit home runs and he said, well, I, mean, I could be a home run hitter. And, and I, I just saw him pulling off a lot of pitches. And then I think he got lost last year. And in spring training, I saw a point of emphasis where everything he tried to do, even in batting practice, everything was going to left field, left field, left field, left field. And in in the games, left field, left field, left field. And if something was in on him, he turned on it. And so that's what I've even seen in these games. So he hits a ball the other day and it got caught. It was a really good play by Austin Dean. He hits a line drive and it gets caught on the track. Um and Dean makes a great play. He hits one to the wall the other day, gets caught, left field. I, I just see a point of emphasis where he's driving the ball, not just flaring it out to left, but I mean driving it to left, not pulling off. And and that's the kind of the hitter that he has been. And if there's a ball in and he sees it, he recognizes it, then he jumps on it. And that's the difference I see with him right now. That does it for the Redbird Report. Thanks for being with us. Again, we do this every Monday Next Monday, we're talking about the Cardinals and what they did against the Pirates. Baseball is back. It's fun to talk about what happens on the field. Thanks for being with us. Thanks to Matt Holliday, Ribs and BK, Brad Thompson. I'm Dan McLaughlin, and this is 101 ESPN.